Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. My guest today is Tracy Krupp. Tracy is the Director of User Experience at Boomi. Uh, Tracy is currently hiring a lot of designers, researchers, co uh, content ops person, and some technical writers. So I'm just going to throw that out there just in case anybody's listening to this because, you know, they're thinking of moving. Like, you know, I, apparently everybody else in the universe. Um, today, Tracy and I are going to be talking a little bit about what it's like actually working with recruiters, what recruiters are, what they do, what works, what doesn't, some of the, maybe some of a few of the challenges we've run into. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. Um, it, it is great to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited about this conversation. I, I think it's going to be good. Um, the, the first thing that I want to start with, because I, I never, it's so funny because I was at little tiny companies and, you know, freelancing for so long that I don't think I really ever grokked the whole like, what a recruiter is and what they do and like there's internal and external and there's different roles can you just talk briefly about that first so that we can define our terms <laughs> uh yeah sure um i so i've also worked at small companies where we were the recruiters <laughs> exactly. yeah sometimes um, the hiring manager is the recruiter like it, you never know right. when you're applying <laughs> but i've also worked at medium and now large, larger companies where we have a, a very large talent acquisition team. And so we have recruiters, we have schedulers, we have coordinators, we have roles I'm probably uh, uh, not recalling right now, but there's a whole team in place. And the primary role of the recruiter is to source candidates, both passive candidates that they think met the profile of the re requisition and, and screen active candidates to see, like perform that first pass before putting those resumes in front of the hiring managers. And when it's done well, they're a really great partner mm -hmm. and you develop a shorthand and they understand the needs of the role. They understand the opportunities. Um, they work really closely with us um, and they help us to think creatively about how to make sure that we land the best candidates and we make this the place that they want to stay in. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really the experts in, I mean, attracting folks to the, the org yeah. and doing all the like telling them about, you know, all the benefits and why people should come here and all of that. But, it, but they're often not experts in the thing they're recruiting for, you know, the, you know, engineering or design or product management. That's true. And actually, some of the best recruiters that I've worked with are not UX experts. Really? But that's where, so that's where I think of it as um, I was a consultant before my current role in Boomi. And um, I think of it similarly to the situations I was in as a consultant, where we didn't have deep subject matter expertise, like we weren't, and, and we were very upfront about that. We looked we looked at the needs of the organization and the tools that they were using, and we knew how to um, observe and analyze user behavior and needs. And we knew how to surface um, those needs in business tools. And it didn't matter that we didn't have deep expertise in uh, international and foreign exchange trading mm -hmm. or higher education or government agencies. Um, I'm not arguing 
that it's not helpful if you do. <laughs> it's it's the whole generalist specialist sort of debate. Right. But that's what I think is true um, when working with recruiters too. I mean, I'm that subject matter expert. So if we have that strong relationship and we have that partnership, their domain is how to reach candidates, how to how to um, advise and and provide guidance on structuring a strong offer. What are the ways in which we can close the gap if we're not completely aligned between their expectations and what we can offer? Like it's both and, and I don't need somebody to duplicate what I do well and vice versa. No, that's a great point that they don't, they don't have to do that as long as they're willing to, you know, bow to your expertise on who, who you actually want to talk to. I think that can be a challenge. I mean, let's, let's, Let's talk about some of the ways it doesn't go well because I always find those stories to be the most fun. <laughs> you learn so much by what not to do. Yeah, exactly. As, as well as well as what to yeah. do. What 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 not to do, Tracy? <laughs> what goes badly? Oh, what not to do. Um in recruiting and so many other topics, <laughs> uh, don't shut the conversation down. Open it up. You know, it's divergence and convergence and it's ebbing and flowing, um, ask more questions than statements made, especially in the early stages of a process. Uh, Do not make assumptions or at least acknowledge the assumptions you're making and then, you know, work to validate them. Um, I don't mean validate them. I know, I know. know. That's confirmed my bias. No, 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 different podcast. But but I mean like, uh, you know, strong opinions, loosely held. I'm open to being wrong. Um, uh, what not to do. So, um, specifically like when working with a recruiter, like what are there, like when the recruiters, what, what happens when it goes bad? What, what makes it go bad? Um, I, I'm thinking this through because I'm sure that there are things that go wrong from a hiring manager perspective as well as oh, the, sure. I make all the recruiter of end of things. So um, I think it's really helpful to make no assumptions. Treat this like a project and have a kickoff. I think part of it is building the relationship between hiring manager and recruiter. If you haven't worked together before, or you haven't been working long. Um, I think it's a Q&A between those two roles. Um, here's what I'm looking for and or what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. As a hiring manager, here's what I'm looking for. Here's a general profile. Um, here are places where I've had success recruiting from, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the community or job fairs or uh, university relations and specific programs. If, if you go the degree route, um, brainstorming with your recruiting partner to think about the ways in which you can make sure that you maintain um, that broad network and that you're casting a wide net and that you're finding the best talent from a pool of diversity. A lot, I find that a lot of what I do is, um, especially when working with a brand new person, is I spend a lot of that early time sort of calibrating and helping them recognize what I'm going to see as the right candidate for a particular role, which is hard. It's so hard for me to do up front. It's so hard for me to explain. Here's exactly the three things that you're looking for. It's right. more sort of like show me some, and I'll tell you what's wrong with them, <laughs> and we'll yeah, go from actually, there. Actually, <laughs> and 
Yes. And I realized that um, in answering what doesn't go well, I shifted it to what I want so that it does go well. (laughs) What doesn't go well is being too binary about it. Like, how many years does this person have to have? Like, I look at the quality of experience, not the quantity of experience. I think as you get into more senior, like highly senior roles, and especially the management track, um, it probably bodes well if you do have a minimum number of years experience, but I'm still looking more at the quality of the experience. And in those senior levels, I need somebody who has been around long enough to have experienced failure and to have matured enough where they can talk about it without being defensive. Mm -hmm. So um, sticking too much to the number of years, sticking too much to keywords and only keywords. Mm -hmm. um, I think those things narrow down your search and it cuts you off from a lot of potential talent. And some recruiters really do focus on those keywords because I know that when they're sourcing, when they're going out, you know, into, you know, LinkedIn or or wherever, and they're looking for resumes, they'll, they're, Mm -hmm. they're typing in keywords to find people. And that can be so tricky because it doesn't always say the exact words. Like there's, I don't know what the magic words are. (laughs) I am not sure that I do either. I mean, I'm not, I'm not closed off, nor am I naive to the fact that keywords have to play a part in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise we're going to get so far off course. It, it would be like, <laughs> here is a lump of clay. That's, that's <laughs> get that part out. Uh, you know, like you don't want to get okay, so we'll cut that. far off. Yeah, you don't want to get so far off course where um, you have somebody who doesn't meet any of the requirements, doesn't have any familiarity with what you do, mm-hmm. where you're investing more of your time teaching them what it is that we're hiring for and then making them someone who can perform well in that role. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. It, you need somebody who has some so familiarity. Bad. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so there are some general keywords that will get you in the right area, but I, I bristle at leaning on those keywords as the driver of who's going to succeed once mm-hmm. you know they're in place. Yeah. Also titles. Let's talk about titles because yes. boy, boy, are those, boy, are those sometimes deceptive. I mean, well, and I say this as somebody yeah. who literally has, I have on my resume, I just, full disclosure, I have my resume, I believe I have engineer, um, VP of product, <laughs> um, uh, you know, UX manager, um, not in that order, like uh, just all over, right. them, like everywhere. And so if you look, you know, if you look at my resume, you would be hard pressed to understand what I could do or what mm-hmm. I would want to do. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I could do any of those things. I don't want to do most of those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, titles aren't universal. No. Full stop. At least not in our field. No. Titles are not universal. And it doesn't, it doesn't encapsulate the entirety of your experience or what you're capable of doing. Yeah. So, I mean, I also, like, I'm not... Uh, I'm not in favor of removing all titles nope. and, and we're all, we all do the same thing. Nope. No, absolutely. No, no. Also uh, not true. I worked, <laughs> absolutely. I, I also worked, not true. <laughs> I worked in organizations where they tried to go that route. It's <sighs> like a variation on the flat hierarchy. And it's like, <sighs> uh, it, 
anyway. Um, so titles, titles are very important, especially for folks, I think, who are underrepresented in a lot of ways. Because like, yes. they, they mean something and often they will have to prove their bona fides Absolutely. in a way that you and I maybe don't. Um, so... Yep. Yeah. But so. there's also a lot of creativity. Oh, yeah. I mean, explain to me what a UX ninja rock star is and what level they come into my organization as. Oh, I forgot. Um, I also have webmistress on my resume. But that's from the 90s. You also I, have I, I, I also have webmistress on my resume, but that's from the 90s, so it's probably fallen off by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Titles are not universal. No. Some titles are a little too creative to be helpful. Yeah. Um, again, the titles are a guide, but I'm going to look really closely at the quality of your experience. And, and what, what you did you do? Did. What were the outcomes? Yeah. yeah. What did you learn from it? Where were the mistakes made? What do you wish you could go back in time and do differently? Um, yeah. All of that. Even UX manager. Right. Like, which is, which seems very <laughs> straightforward. And some places it's very much like, oh, you're going to be half an IC, you know, and half of some of them, it's like, oh, you are just going to do people management. And other ones, it's sort right. of like a weird kind of like, oh, you're going to guide projects, but you know, also you're going to be yourself to people's career progression and higher. And like, who the hell knows, right? Like it could be any, yeah. any, all or none of those things. And yeah. it seems so straightforward, um, which isn't even getting into the like, if you're at a small company, there is title inflation at small companies, um, right? You know, as there, there maybe should be, because like you know, you do become a director sooner, I guess. Um, like, but I was a director in yeah. my early to mid twenties. Yeah, exactly. And it's now in my yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, me too. I'm I'm in those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, so yes, there is title inflation. And also as organizations evolve, mm -hmm. you know, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. So there's the maturity and the evolution of titles within an organization. I've done a lot of work to create levels in my organization where they didn't exist for UX. Um, and it's provided a lot of clarity in terms of what's expected and at what level and how consistently and um, you know, it's hiring and then um, career coaching and growth and development. Like it's it's one large, very complex process. Yeah. And I think it all feeds into each other. But trying to explain that to a recruiter who maybe isn't a UX expert right. or an engineer right. or whatever, you know, like, you know, oh, I, I think it's just as bad in engineering, honestly, where it's like, oh, you're a SWE three. I don't know oh, who right. that is, at, you know, like at the various different organizations. And I've actually had recruiters reject people for having the wrong title. Sometimes too high a title yeah. when I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. That was too high a title at a 10 person company. That is, right. that does not apply here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That again, like I can't emphasize how much I value relationships enough. That again is where the the relationship factor comes in and that's where the um transparency and communication comes in mm -hmm. because um i do rely on my recruiting partners to help um screen out some of the people that that aren't going to um they're clearly wrong align yeah, yeah they're, they, they're they don't align to right. the goals and yeah. needs of the organization it doesn't mean they don't deserve that role somewhere else it just means that there are so many varieties and, totally. and companies have like 
that's a I, whole other topic. I, 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 work, <laughs> but, I work in enterprise. I spend a lot of time going, this person is a marvelous visual designer and illustrator. Right. And they should absolutely go and find a creative role that is not going to be working within a very strict design system on like ridiculous enterprise SaaS products where yeah. they will be miserable. <laughs> yeah. But like, but back to what you were saying with the SWE three and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and how it correlates. So software, mm -hmm. uh, software engineer, software engineer, three. Yeah. Um, yeah. software engineer three. <laughs> we, we had that. I think we still do to some extent, but um, our company used to be part of a, a larger parent company. Um, we were part of Dell and mm -hmm. um, I mean, Dell's core is engineering. And so when I was building my organization, we were, everyone was a different flavor of engineer, even if we weren't an engineer. And that introduced a lot of confusion. It introduced a lot of confusion internally and externally. Internally, once people in, were in place, what are the expectations? What are the career paths? What are the, you know, all of that. But then externally, you would see these job postings um, on any number of sites and forums, and it wasn't an accurate depiction in title alone of what the the role requires. And so for job seekers who are likely scanning hundreds of titles a day, they're not going to click on everyone to see, is this oh. really an engineer or is it a UX role? Yeah, like a so, UX engineer is very different from a UX designer in my exactly. book. Oh, but yeah. Maybe not <laughs> in Dell. Yeah, but... <laughs> but, but that's uh, one of the first things that we reconciled um, as, as a, a newly independent company where to some extent, like we still have the job families that aren't always um, super closely aligned and we're working on that. But one big step we've taken is to embrace the, um, in our company, we call it the business card title. Mm -hmm. Like if, if your level is a software engineer too, um, that translates to uh, a UX designer or a U like, or, Here's the human title. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. What is it that you do? Yeah. Because you're not a sweet three. What is it that you do? That's right. Uh, so, so that's what we've leaned on. And that's, that is now how we're able to post our positions too. So we're able that's to good. clarify a lot of the confusion from the onset. Yeah. That, that I would imagine helps quite a bit, but it does, like <laughs> I said, it does make it much more complicated for recruiters who are trying to sort through people's resumes if they've got these like weird things on there. And I mean, I think it does help explain to a lot of folks who get their resumes rejected out of hand that it may just be confusing. Like the person who's looking at it may not be like, they're, they're trying to decipher a lot of these things. And if yours is at all confusing, like, right. I mean, mine is extremely confusing. <laughs> you are maybe not going to be at the top of the list because they got to do a lot of work right. to figure out what you do. Right. And well, yeah, but also <laughs> yes, and uh -huh. uh, yes, and uh, the way you were describing your resume, I don't interpret that as confusing. I mean, you followed a really interesting nonlinear path, um, and and a lot of people that I've worked with in the past and currently have also followed nonlinear paths. They may have operated inside and outside of management tracks. They may have worked across numerous organizations. 
Um, I love that kind of exploration and that kind of curiosity. One of our team's core values is curiosity. So that's in, in my screening process and my hiring process, that's not a deal breaker. And so again, that is something I have to explicitly share with the recruiters I work with. Here's, here's what works and here's what doesn't for my needs and the organization's needs. And, and so that's why when you asked earlier, what doesn't work, it's sticking to too narrow a focus and too specific, the keywords and only the keywords. It's because it it shuts down that conversation and it narrows that range. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't have to. And I think it can be really like, if you're not an expert in something and you see somebody who has a nice clear progression from they were an associate for this long, and then they became a Mm -hmm. UX designer, and then they were a senior UX designer, and then maybe they went into management, like, you can kind of see that progression. And that's a very easy kind of yes, move them on to the next level. But if you mm-hmm. see somebody who's, let's won't say confusing, I'll say confused. Um, that's probably more, <laughs> more correct. Um, but it is, it is very hard to explain to a recruiter, no, no, yeah. send me the weirdos because all the weirdos are not weirdos <laughs> in different way. I mean, and again, very much talking about myself here. So don't, don't, don't write yeah. it. Don't write in everybody. This is like, <laughs> this is me we're talking about. I'm good with it. I know what I am. Um, but like, you X weird. Yeah, there you go. Like, send me the, send me more of the weirdos. Oh, but not the kind of weirdos who have like no relevant experience. It's a tricky it's hard to calibrate that yeah. even as a hiring manager with a lot of experience. And that's where that initial uh, kickoff, if not the ongoing conversation, is really essential because that's where um, some of this is a difference in philosophies and strategies across hiring managers. Mm-hmm. So I want my recruiting partners to know here are the types of um, experiences that are likely to translate well. Mm-hmm. So we work in a very technical space. And within that technical space, we have niche product experience. It is highly unlikely that I will find a product designer with deep experience in this product line. And uh, like it, it's, it's too, it's too linear. It's yeah. or, or not even linear. It's too rigid. Yeah. So that's where I look for. Um, that's where I look for the attitude and the aptitude. And so um, the job descriptions are written in a way where there's definitely specificity because people need that to know whether it's going to be a waste of their time. But I don't want it to be overly prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So, for instance. I am not requiring that you have to have X number of years in the designs of um, API development portals, but I am going to look for technical experience. Have you have you been a product designer in the enterprise space? Have you been a product designer for um, B2B and not B2C? Mm-hmm. Like web applications, not consumer websites. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And so that's how I can work with the recruiter to shape the... Um, Shape that lump of clay. Yeah. Like, I want to leave it open ended, but not, not vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, those are two very different things. No, it, it very much is. And if you are open to, so it's it's always funny because I always sort of think like there's this like very there's this baseline of a whole bunch of different things. Like you have to have a little bit of experience in like all of these different things. 
But like those really are baseline. And I'm really not looking to hire somebody who's absolutely the, the bare minimum of all of it. I'm looking right. for people who are like, but if you have like, for example, in that one, maybe like somebody who has a bunch of engineering experience also. Right. Might, might be super helpful and might push you up even if some of your other experiences may be a little bit low. You know, so right. kind of trying to, um, it's so funny because I'm waving my hands around, which is not, not really great for a podcast, um, <laughs> but, I'm, you know, but it helps yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. It helps for, me understand it. For, for old Keep folks going. who have seen a stereo equalizer, <laughs> I always think of things like a stereo equalizer where, you know, you can kind of like raise the, the level of this a little bit, lower the level right. of this other thing. And I think that that's, oh, that's, yeah, totally. That's a yeah. really good way of thinking about it for me. Yeah. We've explored this a number of ways in our team um, in terms of the various visualizations and, and mm. graphs and the ways in which um, I did this early on where I mapped out collectively, I need the organization to have this level of expertise um, in these specific areas across the ever-growing field of user experience. I don't need nor expect any one person, regardless of their um, uh, seniority and experience, mm -hmm. I don't expect any one person to be at the top of each of those areas. Mm -hmm. In fact, I want to merge the individual, not merge, but overlap the individual sort of um, graphs yeah. to see if we get the collective shape of what's needed in the organization. Um, I've done that as an exercise with um, with people uh, when I interview them mm -hmm. um, as a very quick thing, mm -hmm. like um, basic vocabulary and familiarity, mm -hmm. uh, strong competency, mm -hmm. or like deep expertise. This is my jam. Yeah. Um, so it's like t-shirt sizing yeah. across different areas. And then I ask them, um, where so the first question is how would you um, self-assess in these areas, and then I've asked them to go back into it and say, um, once you've done that, are there specific areas where you don't currently have expertise that you'd want to build it up, and likewise, do you have specific expertise that you want to start backing away from? <laughs> I think that's such a good question. And, well, <laughs> I. I modeled it on my own path. Mm -hmm. My background is in graphic design. Oh, cool. I spent years in graphic design and then didn't realize I was shifting into UX. Like I, I came from a holistic design program where, you know, you solve problems through design. Um, but at the time it was named as a graphic design program. So um, I love being a people leader now. I love being a team builder. I love being a mentor and coach. I love solving the design or contributing to the design strategy of, um, and, and not just, not solely design, but the, the broader UX strategy of my organization. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to be the one crafting the work anymore. And so while I would probably still put myself as fairly high uh, proficiency in visual design, I don't have that same kind of interest in doing it anymore. Right. I don't want to do it anymore. But it is nice to know because it you it's good because you can then evaluate other people's work. Right. But, yeah. Exactly. I, I gotta say though, it's interesting, like you, when you're talking about trying to find folks who sort of overlap and trying to find, you know, like you're trying to fill role I always think of it as like trying to fill 
roles and different people kind of fill different certain different roles to a certain extent that just ups the complexity for working with a with a, a recruiter by like a thousand yeah. percent because it's no longer like i'm hiring for a job and that job is this job that i can describe and you're going to go off and you're going to find me three people who do x it's like you're going to find me between three and five people who amongst them <laughs> cover yeah. these things and oh yeah yeah and and that's where um that's where i have taken the guidance of recruiters who say um uh moving past the keywords are there people who um are currently on your team mm -hmm. or even people who you know have been on your team in the past like is is there a profile that we could model the optimal candidate over mm -hmm. now that gets a little um, tricky too, because I'm not looking for clones. Mm -hmm. I want. I have that um, person. Broad range, of, <laughs> right? I don't need a However, second. <laughs> I can speak to um, a number of individuals who have succeeded um, on on various levels for any number of reasons. Mm -hmm. So I can take I can take a person on my team and say this person did not have SaaS experience coming in the door, but mm -hmm. they're exceptional. So see, this is what I mean. <laughs> and and um, and this person came to UX by way of um, cognitive psychology. Oh, those or, are great. <laughs> or, or an anthropology background, or and and so. They brought in these mm -hmm. skills of um, being able to analyze and observe human behavior. Whether or not they're working in UX research, they understand the importance of research. They have the strong empathy to understand, like they know how to create the the product mm -hmm. that exceeds our users' expectations. And so I can use some of these profiles as guidance for the discussions that we have. Mm -hmm and still say, I don't want you to find me a clone of this person. Right. I want you to find somebody who has the lateral thinking abilities. I want you to find me somebody who has the insatiable curiosity. I want somebody who um, is, is open to trying new things and learning new things and doesn't get easily um, discouraged by something that proves itself to be really difficult because that's very much the space that we're in. It's challenging. And that's, that's the thing that keeps me here, but yeah. it isn't for everybody. For some people, it could be really flustering. And, yeah. and so let's do all of us, you know, a favor and figure out, do we have what you're seeking and do you have what we're seeking? I think that's the the most important thing. What what do you think the hardest thing is about about hiring? Right? Hmm. Because it is hard. Currently, I mean it is it is it is oh, not totally. easy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was, but it's never going to be. No. Um what makes Did you say hiring or recruiting? Hiring, mm -hmm. recruiting, either. Yeah, all of it. Um I mean right now what makes recruiting right now in 2022, what makes recruiting so difficult is that um, we're all competing for the same talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, the opportunities are abundant and um, 
I'm really glad that I'm working for a company that has committed long term to the idea of remote working because while it doesn't it doesn't make it easy, it definitely makes the challenge easier because now I can seek the talent in whatever place people call home. Yeah. So it it casts a broader net and with that also comes its challenges too. But personally I've found it to be um really liberating to be able to focus on who's going to be a great addition to the team rather than who's going to be a great addition to the team and are they willing to relocate to the Philadelphia metro area? <laughs> yeah, are are you are you fantastic at all these 17 things and also do you really like cheese sticks? <laughs> I mean, yes and yes. Um, do you have any do you have any great stories about about hiring? Any any just ri- absolutely ridiculous? I've got so many ridiculous things that have happened when hiring and trying to be hired. Oh my god, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we're always searching for that great book idea, right? <laughs> I wonder if I should write one on the interviews I've led. Um, or, and, and perhaps a chapter as a candidate, the interviews I've been in. But, um, the one that comes to mind is this was in a, a previous job, but there's a candidate who live tweeted the interview. Um, I mean, in a way, I gotta, re- I gotta respect it. And in another way, holy shit. I was so, I was so intrigued. I, <laughs> it fascinated me because I mean, the interview process is challenging as it is. Oh, and super there are hard. A lot of schedules to coordinate. And, and if it's done well, you're meeting with a cross section of people. It's not a singular person who will either paint the best possible picture. And then it's, even if they're truthful, it's not <laughs> what you may experience. Like, I, you know, I, I think it, a good, a good, uh, interview experience involves meeting with a cross section of people that you'll sure. be working with. And so I was in an interview with a candidate. Um, uh, I can't even, I think the interview was fine. It didn't stand out one way or the other, but when I got back to my desk and the next, uh, duo went in for their, um, for their segment, you know, I, I, did the required cyber stalking? Yeah. How do they present I themselves look, online? I look them up online. Yeah, I do. I'll and admit. I found their Twitter account, yeah. and I found that they, like, they were live tweeting the interview. Now, they were generally favorable about the experience, <laughs> so yay! But but it does call into question. Um, oh, it calls into question a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Should I finish? Should I finish that in sentence? It calls into question. It calls into question. As, it's a lack of judgment. As somebody who is, as somebody who is, as we like to say, terminally online, that is, that crosses the line even for me. I mean, that is very like unless you are applying for a social media expert job, maybe I could see it. But for a UX designer, I mean, first of all, you're spending your, like you're actually sitting there on your phone during the interview, right? Which is weird. I, I, to be fair, if memory serves and, um, my memory is years old, um, but, uh, if memory serves, they weren't on their phone during the actual okay. interview, but as I took my leave and, you know, if there was a break or if somebody else, uh, was a minute or two from entering the room, that's when the live tweeting was happening. That's, and, that's a thing. And, and the thing is, I mean, you could argue how is that different from 
the experience, like, would it be different if you tweeted after the fact? I think yes. How is it different from submitting your experiences on Glassdoor or any number of other sites? The fact is it's different because you're doing this afterwards. And in the interview process, I believe your focus should be on the interview. There are sometimes extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's definitely not a um, an unconditional requirement, but I would argue that it, there's no need to live tweet your experience. <laughs> I, li- I like how even handed you're being. I like how even handed you're being about it, and I'm just kind of like, you did fucking what? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was amused. It's sure. definitely. I can't even remember how many years ago this was. It, this was easily a decade ago. I would say, in fairness, if they had been fantastic, I might have just been like, yeah, okay. I'm going to just accept the fact that they are going to be live tweeting absolutely everything that goes on. And if that's a thing that I'm okay with, then yeah, let's bring them in. Like that's, that's hilarious. But, um, but, oh, but man, I, I, so gutsy. I thought a lot about this. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't spent the last 10 years thinking about it, but at the time I was in client services and oh. I was a, I was a consultant. So how does that translate? If you are live tweeting the interview, which I think there's a, a reasonable expectation for discretion and privacy. Oh yeah, but no, that's if, hard if we hired you and you go into these environments where, I mean, I, I, I was in environments where I had secret clearance and I had to do background, you know, um, you're vetted differently and you're signing various NDAs and, um, I worked with healthcare clients and like you're going into sensitive situations. So this calls into question this person's ability to exercise good judgment because it's amusing in this situation, but it can expose us to a lot of liability in a different situation. Oh yeah, no, they're absolutely or like the, the the situation you just described. That's a hard that's a hard pass on that person. Mm-hmm. That, no question. Like I said, you know, maybe if you're applying it like TikTok, okay. <laughs> yeah, you record the whole thing. It's fine. But, but yeah, but, this but you're was not before TikTok. You and sure? It was before yeah. like yeah. it was before social media specialists yeah. or like that role didn't really. Oh, it was a highly niche thing if it existed at all ten years ago. So funny. I mean, I love this, or I know I'm, I'm going to end on that because also that is all the time we have for today. Um, <laughs> I want to thank Tracy for joining us. Um, I also want to thank all of you for listening. And I want to wish everybody, honestly, the best of luck with your search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee or a new, a new anything. I'm rooting for you. <laughs>